Our scripture reading for this Maundy Thursday worship service comes from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 22, verses 14 through 20. When the hour came, he took his place at the table and the apostles with him. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same thing with the cup after supper, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, even though we are scattered tonight, invite us to your table. Help us to gather around in unity of spirit that we might remember the night before your passion. Lord, carry us through this service to remind us of all that you did for us. Lord, help us to love you even more. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Since my high school days, this has been one of my favorite services of the entire year. Maundy Thursday is such a special night when the church comes together to experience Holy Communion on the night that Jesus had the Last Supper with the disciples. It's always been a powerful time to me. It's as if we're actually sitting in the upper room with Jesus, joining with him in that meal. I've, I've loved that sense of it for as long as I can remember. And to the best of my recollection, I've never missed this service, not since my high school days at least. I would skip sporting events or band practices because I want to be here for this meal. When I became a pastor, I was appointed to some churches that didn't have this as part of their history. They, they didn't come together on Monday, Thursday night for communion, but once I got there, I said, no, we will meet. I didn't, whoever was going to come, we were going to have communion on Monday, Thursday night. It's that special. Uh, there's nothing like the church family coming together at Christ's table on the eve of his passion. On this night, there's nowhere else I would rather be. And so it breaks my heart to not see your faces tonight. I am deeply saddened that I can't break the bread and pass the cup among you tonight. It, it breaks my heart that on this Monday, Thursday, we are separated. I think I understand better than ever before Jesus' words. I have desperately desired to eat this meal with you. Uh, I want so bad to share in the sacrament with you tonight. I am gaining a new appreciation for Jesus' hunger for sharing this meal. And, and I tried to find a way to do it. I, I explored options that would allow us somehow to still celebrate the Lord's Supper tonight. Uh, as United Methodists, we have a very strong view on sacramental authority. It's in our church rules that only an ordained elder or a licensed pastor can consecrate the bread and the wine. That, that's a role that's reserved for us. 
But I wanted to save Monday Thursday. I, I thought long and hard about how could we still do this? How can we still have this all-important meal? I considered online communion. And, and my, what I was thinking was that there, you wherever you are, you would go and, and get your own elements, uh, bread and juice, and then uh, I would consecrate those uh, online. And you would share in bread and wine there while I shared it here, and, and we could virtually be together. I, I wanted to do that. At, at, I wanted it as a substitute, but ultimately, nothing substitutes for your presence. Ultimately, I couldn't come out tonight and, and offer a less than type of alternative. You see, when uh, inherent in Holy Communion is fellowship. We come together, we worship together, we lift our voices together, we say the creed together, we pass the peace to one another, we share the elements, we pass them from one to another. One anothering is absolutely essential in my mind to Holy Communion. It is a gathering of the body. And so after much thought and prayer, I decided that now tonight with Jesus, we will desperately desire to share this meal together. We will wait and we will hope for that day when once again we gather in person at the table. Now, I do have a confession to make to you tonight. I am ashamed to admit that I entertained the thought, but I have to be honest with you. Because I am an elder, I can, I can serve communion anywhere and anytime I see appropriate, anytime that I see fit. And the thought did cross my mind. You know, I could at least gather with my family uh, in my house. We could gather on this Thursday night and, and we could share Holy Communion. I have the permission of the church to do that. I have the authority to to consecrate the elements wherever. And so I, I'm embarrassed to admit that I entertained the idea of offering communion to my household at least. But then Jesus' words really pierced my soul. I will not eat of it again until it's fulfilled in the kingdom, he said. The way I heard it in my heart was I won't eat it again until we can eat it together. So I confess my selfishness to you with some degree of embarrassment. But I prefer, I prefer to wait until we can gather together and join in this meal as one family. So we live in anticipation. And what an excellent opportunity to learn about this meal, to learn about what Jesus instituted on the night that he was betrayed. It is a meal of anticipation. It is a foretaste of the glory divine, as Charles Wesley would say. It's an appetizer for the, for the wedding feast that Christ is preparing for all of us. This is a, a taste of what comes later for us once we all do get to heaven. And so it builds anticipation. Tonight, more than ever, it creates a sense of anticipation. I can't wait. I can't wait to taste the bread and the juice again. I can't wait to share it with you. I can't wait for all of us to come around the table. The anticipation grows day by day.
and hope with it. We are being taught during this time to hunger and to thirst for Christ. And so this bread that we take tonight, we break it as Christ broke it. And the broken bread reminds us of our separation. We are separated by miles. We are separated by stay at shelter in place orders. The broken bread reminds us of our separateness. The cup, the cup which holds the the wine, the blood of Christ, the, the forgiveness of our sins. It reminds us that even while we are separated, we are united in Christ. There is one cup reminding us that we are all one family. And no amount of distance could ever end that. No amount of dis distance can separate us from Christ or from one another. The cup we raise tonight reminds us that we are in fact united by one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, united in Christ. So we wait. We wait with anticipation. We wait as a child waits for Christmas morning. We wait anxious, excited, till the day when we do in fact share this meal together. Let us hunger and thirst together. Let us hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now when Jesus had finished eating the meal with his disciples, they sang a hymn and then they went out to the Garden of Gethsemane for prayer. When they arrived at the garden, Jesus asked a favor of the disciples. To the best of my knowledge, it's the only time Jesus ever asked a favor. It's the only time he asked for something personal for himself. He asked the disciples, we keep watch and pray with me. Jesus knew what was coming in the next few hours. He knew the agony that was awaiting him. And he needed company. He needed people to be there with him. It was important to him that his closest friends stayed nearby. He said, sit here and watch with me while I go over there and pray, he says. And Jesus leaves them and he goes and he prays and he pours his heart out to God. God, if it's possible, let's don't do it this way. If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. And he pleads. And then he looks and finds that he is, in fact, all alone. The disciples have fallen asleep. So he goes over and he wakes them and encourages them again to pray with them. And he, he goes off and he prays again. And then he comes back and they're asleep again. And he wakes them up again. And he goes back and prays again. And finally comes back to wake them one last time. In this difficult moment in Jesus' life, so difficult that his sweat became his drops of blood, in the time when he was crying out for help to his father, in the time when his father seemed to remain silent, Jesus faced it all alone. His closest friends were snoozing. He was there in the garden, hours away from death. All alone. After waking him the third time, the, the soldiers sh showed up to arrest him. 
When, when they showed up, the disciples, these men that had walked with him for three years, that had pledged their lives to him, had even offered to die with him, these disciples deserted. They ran away from the garden, leaving Jesus alone at the hands of the soldiers who took him. They bound him with a rope, they tied his hands together, and they led him away to prison. They threw him in a dungeon where he'd spend the night, once again alone. Everyone else running for their lives. Jesus alone. Morning would come and with it, trials and accusations. He heard the people who had praised him on Sunday all of a sudden turn and call for his life. Crucify him, they said. Crucify Jesus. They called for his death. The Roman soldiers were only too happy to comply. They scourged Jesus. They beat him horribly. Led him away to Calvary where they crucified him. He hung between heaven and earth. He had promised if, if he was lifted up that he would draw all people to himself. This is that moment that he talked about with Nicodemus in John chapter 3. He was lifted up between heaven and earth and yet still very much alone. On that Friday afternoon, Jesus defeated evil on our behalf. He did it without our help. In fact, it was we who sent him there. It was what we did that caused that pain. And he bore it all alone. You know, this Monday, Thursday, Good Friday service, more than any I've ever been a part of, reminds me of both celebration and isolation. Reminds me of the importance of celebrating that meal together. But it also reminds me of how isolated Christ must have felt. It's amazing to see how quick the situation changed for him from the, from the celebration around the table to the isolation in the garden. But on this very unusual Monday, Thursday, Good Friday service, the isolation actually gives me hope. As we experience the isolation, as we as we experience the absence, I'm filled with hope for what is still coming. This time apart makes me hunger all the more for when we're together. Our absence from the table makes me hunger all the more for the bread and the juice. Our absence in this world from Christ makes me hunger and thirst after Christ's righteousness. And I'm filled with hope. Because of this much, I'm sure. Easter is on the way. Amen.